Hello, and welcome to the Continuing Education Series, a podcast produced by the French Language Division of the American Translators Association as a benefit for our members and those interested in joining us. Our series strives to offer educational content about the craft of French to English and English to French translation and about our division. I'm your host, Angela Benoit, and it is my pleasure today to welcome Amanda Williams of Mirror Image Translations. Amanda is an ATA certified French to English translator. She specializes in corporate communications, accounting, finance, and international trade. And as a bonus, Amanda and I are recording this podcast together over a cup of tea in beautiful ANSI. Amanda, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Um, so we are going to discuss a series of financial terms that all have one thing in common. Their translation is not what a layperson would have expected it to be. And I believe we are going to see just how incolable Amanda is at financial terminology. Now, before we get started, uh, would you like to tell us a little bit about the universe of a financial translator? Yeah, so when uh, Angela first reached out to me to ask me to do this podcast, I started thinking about what I wanted to talk about. And it uh, turns out what I originally had put together was not what you talk about on this podcast. Uh-oh. <laughs> But Uh-oh. Angela was super nice and said, hey, why don't we just throw that in the introduction? So we're going to start by going over something a little different. And um, it's really what I like to call how to do financial translation right. Instead of pitfalls and tricks, I want to talk about how to do it right. And that is super important. We do want to do it right. <laughs> right. How to be better. Okay. Yes. Right? yes. So, um, just so I don't waste all that original work I put I together. Know. Yes. It was great. We just had to bring the nerdiness back, but yes. we'll get there. We'll all right. There. So, I wanted to talk about some tips. Consistency as a financial translator is essential. Sometimes we get so focused on the section we're doing. And sometimes, you know, if you're translating document de référence or document de base or shareholder meeting notices, CSR reports, you know, these huge reports that could be five or 600 pages long and you're working on a 50,000 word section, it might seem like you're doing the whole thing, but you're not. You're only doing a small section. And you might be consistent in that one section you're doing, but you got to think about the whole big picture. So consistency, both in mm -hmm. what you're working on and the big, the big picture is just key. And then also client terminology is more important than you think. We all have our favorite words, words that we like more than others, but what we like isn't important. What the client likes is what is important. Mm -hmm. So we have to make sure that as translators, we understand what our client's corporate voice and corporate culture is, and that we are accurately transmitting that into what we're writing. And then this seems basic, but I cannot tell you how many times I've seen the opposite in you know reviewing revising and just looking at other reports over time uh, 
little things like dialects not being consistent through a report, mm -hmm. uh, not only with spelling, but tiny little things like the UK says as at with the date, and we say as of instead of as at, things which, like that. Which I tripped over in the yeah. preparation of this yeah. podcast. I thought it was a typo. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't like it when I first saw it, but as you get at. over it. As at 31 December, oh. they just say that. Okay? There we go. But you got to keep those things consistent and keep them in mind, not just for your section, but the entire report, right? Mm -hmm. And um, not getting caught up in translating everything exactly how it is in the French. Yes, we're crunching through a lot of volume, but you still have to translate things like they're supposed to be translated. You know, we put verbs um, with the rest of the clause. We don't break things up as much as they do in French. You know, you rearrange sentences as needed, mm -hmm. you know, in English. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's important to remember to do those type things, even if you're crunching out 3,000 plus words a day. And uh, if you don't have any experience in business, accounting, or finance, then don't translate about business, accounting, or finance. And we'll go over that in a little bit more we detail will. later on. <laughs> but we're going to find out exactly how it's possible to trip up and make mistakes just for lack of knowledge and uh, lack of experience. And, you know, it's... We, we need great financial translators, but we need those financial translators to go out and gain that experience, I think, yes, yes. in the real world, before yes. the attempt to do the very difficult exercise that we're going to be doing now. And I get the easy job. I'm so lucky. <laughs> I'm going to throw out some financial terms, which I did not find. Amanda found them for me. I'm going to throw them into the air, and Amanda's going to tell us what they mean, and how we translate them, and also how we do not translate them. So um, I think our first one is relatively easy. Are we ready to get started? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, here we go. Let's talk about les procédures de contrôle interne. It's funny because you'd think that the knee-jerk translation would be to translate it as it looks, but it's not. What I see all the time is that people translate this as uh, internal audit procedures, Mm -hmm. But you really actually should translate this as internal control procedures. Sarbanes-Oxley uh, is the reason why. And uh, what that means is the SEC started requiring small companies to document their internal control procedures over financial reporting back in 2007. Mm -hmm. And so companies are required now to put together internal control procedures showing that they have control over their financial reporting. And... Mm -hmm. uh, the term internal control procedures has kind of leaked over into other domains as well. Back in my prior career as a um, trade compliance manager, I had to create and implement internal control procedures for customs compliance as wow. well. So it is a term that you use in industry okay. and uh, it's not nine times out of 10, it's not going to be audit. audit. It's going to be internal control. Okay. But we, we think of control being audit and uh, generally speaking, it's not. Yeah. Is this because the control, the control procedures happen inside the company and the audit would be from an external party coming in and auditing? Yeah. And sometimes companies do internal audits as well, but in this okay. context, 
they're talking about control. Like, okay. do you know what's going on in your company? Okay. Do you have procedures in place that show mm-hmm. and document how you handle and manage risk, how you handle and manage your reporting, mm-hmm. you know, and your yeah. finances, things like that. And as translators, we're told so many times that control is not control and control is not control. Right. You almost, you're almost tempted to go and find something else just to not use it. And this is the one time. Right. This is the one time. Tricky. Yep, very tricky. <laughs> All right, next up, we actually have a small family of terms. They go together. Now, in preparing for this episode, Amanda mentioned to me the IFRS. And I had to sheepishly go look it up because I had no <laughs> idea what she meant. I didn't want to admit that to her. Oh. It stands for International Financial Reporting Standards. Uh, and we'll put that up on the website for those of you who are interested in um, going to look it up so you don't have to scramble for a pen just right now. So let's take a look at a few IFRS terms. Um, we're going to start with sector opérationnel. What is this and what do we do with it? So this is just one of those terms, you know, you're not going to use the word sector. You're going to call this an operating segment. Okay then. Yes. I would have had no idea. Just what it is. <laughs> and I would have not known to look at the IFRS for lack of knowing of their existence. Okay. <laughs> Next up we have Participation ne donnant pas le contrôle. That's, contro- that's called a non-controlling interest. It used to be called a minority interest, mm-hmm. but a few years ago, uh, the IFRS said, uh, nope, we've changed our mind. We don't want to call it minority interest anymore. We're going to start calling it non-controlling interest. Mm-hmm. So over the past few years, we've had to start pushing clients who have been reluctant to change from minority interest to non-controlling interest mm-hmm. and say, all right, guys, IFRS doesn't want us to use this word anymore. We're going to have to start using non-controlling interests. So little by little, we have to get customers on board with the correct terminology. And this is the translator pushing the client to use their own industry-specific terminology. That's amazing. If you want to... You want to be a good translator, you yep. go the you extra have to mile. Know that. You have to know that before your client even knows it. Right. That's outstanding. The next one, it sounds simple, but wait until you hear the proper way to translate it. Immobilisation corporelle. What happens here? So I see this a fair amount of time. The term and translation for immobilisation corporelle is intangible asset. Okay. So one would think that immobilisation corporelle is tangible asset, Mm -hmm. but the good old IFRS says that this should really be property, plant, and equipment. That's the proper accounting term for this word in French. And if you are not intimately familiar with the IFRS, you would completely, that one would fly over my head. I would have not gotten that right in a million years. Yeah. And then you take an English to French translator and... Propriété, plante et équipement. Uh, pardon. Propriété, usine et équipement. You have to be able to figure that one out in either direction. That one's amazing. I can't believe I just said propriété, plante. And we can't go back and erase that. It's immortalized. It's not immobilized, but it's immortalized. Okay. <laughs> Our next term is right up there with the control control question. We hear it everywhere to say everything, but in the financial universe, activity means something very specific. 
Yeah, this one's fun. Uh, and it doesn't help that that French clients really love this word. Mm-hmm. And I think they prefer just a straight, literal translation into English. But it drives me crazy because we do not use this word in English much. We mm-hmm. just don't. If you go and you look at the annual reports of Facebook, of Pfizer, of Amazon, of Google, of Procter & Gamble, you're not going to see the word activity hardly at all because it's just not something we say. Mm-hmm. Yet, you'll if you go to the annual reports of a French company that's been translated into English, you're going to see it 5,000 times. Mm-hmm. Um, this word... It's usually going to be business. Yes. Sometimes it can be operations, especially in an industrial context. If you're talking about a company that has manufacturing processes or industrial services, like mm. logistics or something like that, then you can very well, in, in some contexts, say operations. Okay. But business, a lot of times, can replace activity. I urge all of you, every time you see activity, mm-hmm. to think, could business or operations go here? And if yes. your client argues about it, try to fight it. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. Provide some examples. Yeah. If text written directly in English with no activities in them at all. Yeah. I've, I've, I've had this fight before, and I have won. Mm-hmm. It can be done, you guys. I it promise. Can. Amazing. We've got another one that sounds simple. Uh, what should we be aware of when we run into conformity? I see conformity all the time, and I don't get it, you guys. I just don't. It's going to be compliance. Okay. Compliance, non-compliance. Uh, and then sometimes en uh, conformité avec or whatever, that's going to be in accordance with, too, not in conformity with. Interesting. Or pursuant to, mm-hmm. you know. Okay. Um, but yeah, let's stay away from the conformity. Okay, no conformity. Yeah. Interestingly, um, in the other direction, because I translate in the other direction, compliance naturally becomes conformity. We'd never think twice about it. Yeah. But that's because we don't have the option of another strange word yeah. hanging out there, like the conformity um, you just mentioned. But um, yeah, a pitfall in one direction. Great one. Yeah. Okay. So for the... That's, that was part one of our episode, and now we're going to do, we're going to segue into part two, and we're going to turn our attention to a f- some full sentences as opposed to just terms or expressions. We're going to look at a French text or a French sentence. We're going to look at how to make a complete mess of the translation, and then we're going to do things the right way with Amanda's help. So I'm going to start with the first French sentence. Here it is. Au 31 décembre 2014, elles sont essentiellement composées de créances de TVA, 3,4 millions d'euros, de charges constatées d'avance, 2,7 millions d'euros, et d'avance et à compte fournisseur, 6,3 millions d'euros. Now, would you like to read the problematic English, or should I go for it? I'll do it. Let me preface by saying that this was UK English, so we've got that lovely little um, starter as at. As at 31 December 2014, they essentially consist of VAT receivables 
3.4 million. Charges recorded in advance, 2.7 million. And supplier prepayments, 6.3 million. Now before we go into that, I kind of just want to say that that sounds perfectly fine to me. <laughs> I don't see the problem, but I'm a lay person. So I'm gonna let Amanda take this one home and tell me exactly how I'm wrong. Okay, the charges recorded in advance is a literal translation that should not be there, basically. So the correct way to say this would be as at 31 December 2014, they essentially consist of VAT receivables, 3.4 million, prepaid expenses for 2.7 million, and supplier prepayments for 6.3 million. I think this is a perfect example of how the expert eye can pick up the problem and everybody else yeah. is just, I, I would have never seen that. That's a great example. Thank you, Amanda. You're welcome. On to the next one. The French version is... Toutes les, oh, excuse me. Toutes les autres dépenses sont comptabilisées directement en charge dès concourues. And the terrible English. I'll go for it this time. All other expenditure is recorded directly as a charge as soon as incurred. Okay, what's wrong here? Charge, basically. We have two ways of fixing this. You can either say all other expenditure is recorded directly as an expense as soon as incurred, or you could make it even easier and say all other expenditure is expensed as soon as it's incurred. Okay. And mind me asking what the problem with charge is? So this is I'm a just curious. yeah. This is a an income statement thing. So when when you're in accounting. Mm -hmm. and you're running a, a company's accounting, every action that the company does is going to be either recorded as income or ex an expense. Okay. So basically, they're not using the correct terminology here. So okay. if you take a company and you sell it, mm -hmm. you've just made income. So you would, re you would record the sale of that business as income on your income statement. Okay. But then let's say you were sued by a company for a million dollars because you did something terrible. Oh, no. All right? That would be an expense. Okay. Right. All right. And you know what? The minute I asked you that question, I something came to mind. You charge your customers. Right. That's where that word goes. Right. I was charged this morning when I went shopping. Right. But I'm not an... I, I don't... I'm an individual, not a company with an income statement. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. All right. Next one. Les opérations entre une entité et une participation ne donnant pas le contrôle sont traitées comme des opérations portant sur les capitaux propres. I'm not sure what I just read. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to give us the bad English? Sure. Transactions between an entity and equity interests that do not provide control are considered equity transactions. Okay. And what is wrong and what should we say? The problem is that do not provide control. That's just a very long roundabout way of saying what you need to say. Mm -hmm. The correct way would be transactions between an entity and non-controlling interests are considered equity transactions. Okay. 
I just noticed something with this one. Obviously, the do not provide control came from ne donnons pas. Yeah. The verb to give. And in the corrected English, we got rid of the verb, which is so unusual. Like, we generally had verbs in English, and this time we whisked him away with yes. a very elegant, non-controlling interest, which I've actually heard before. I think I know what yeah. it means. Um, and strangely, the corrected version starts to make sense to me, even as a yeah non-financial person. Sometimes you don't yeah. need more verbs and words. Yeah, you just need more clarity. Exactly. Amazing. <laughs> okay, next one. En application de la norme IAS 19R, la société comptabilise les écarts actuariels en moins des capitaux propres, en autres éléments du résultat, glo du résultat global, net d'impôts différés. Ok. Let's take a sip of tea. <laughs> While Amanda reads us the bad one. Or, or would you like me to read the bad one? I can do it. Ok. In application of IAS 19R, the company recorded actuarial differences as a reduction of equity under, quote, other overall income net of deferred taxes. All right. Mm -hmm. So we've got a couple issues here. The application drives me a little bit bonkers. And uh, it's not overall income. We call that comprehensive income. Okay. So my sentence is in accordance with IAS 19R, the company recorded actuarial differences as a reduction of equity under other comprehensive income, net of deferred taxes. Wow. I'm not sure what happened to this company. <laughs> what did happen to this company? Um, but this is another perfect illustration of you need to know what you're talking about. Because even in, like, general life, the difference between overall and comprehensive, I mean, they sound like two great synonyms, but they're yeah. not. Yeah. Comprehensive income is mm -hmm. just a, it's a term that's widely recognized, okay. and you want to make sure that you use the term that mm -hmm. all accountants are going to know and yes. understand. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. You don't want to send them on a journey to try to figure out what you would have said, what you should have said. Right. With translation, that's what you're supposed to do is is make it to where they understand what you're saying. You know, they're not supposed to have to interpret what you mm -hmm. what you wrote. Exactly, exactly. Okay, next one. Autorisation à donner au directoire en vue de l'achat par la société de ses propres actions. In parenthesis, 27e résolution. The incorrect version. Authorization to be given to the executive board in view of the company's purchase of its own shares. 27th resolution. And I'm kind of excited to say that when I originally read that, without reading the correction, I sort of sensed what was wrong with of its own shares. But I will let Amanda <laughs> tell us more. Well, that's it. It's purchase of its own shares. That's just a mouthful, right? Mm-hmm. In English, we have share buybacks. So uh, the correct translation would be authorization to be given to the executive board for the company's share buyback. And if you'll notice, I got rid of in view of. Yes. Four is good enough. You don't yes. have to be fancy. No, this is more straightforward. 
and you're not attracting attention to the wrong things. Exactly. Share buyback. I've read about that in the news, and it kind of jumped at me. I was mildly proud for Yay. two minutes. <laughs> and we have one more. It's the last one for today. Opération avec des apparentés. Now, first of all, what is an apparenté? It's a related party. <laughs> I have like no ideas. When companies have, no have subsidiaries. Okay. Yeah, those subsidiaries are apparenti. Oh, okay. All right, so this is uh, the incorrect version mm -hmm. is called operations with related parties. Okay. And the correct is related party transactions. Nice. A lot of times, operations should be translated as transactions in financial translation. Mm -hmm. Not all the time, but definitely, you know, look at the context. If they're talking mm -hmm. about a purchase, a disposal, um, any kind of, hands. yeah, yeah. Anytime money is changing hands, mm -hmm. you know, not, it's going to be transaction, not operation. Yes, operation almost sounds surgical. Yeah, you don't want that transactions, which. Why do we even use oper opération in French? We have transaction, but opération is better. They always use opération. Yeah. 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 For some reason. Amanda, we did it. Yay! We survived. <laughs> Financial terminology. Well, I survived. You did awesome. <laughs> thank, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for these examples. Sure. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with me today on um, this beautiful afternoon. Yeah. It was a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be here. This concludes our episode for today. Our podcast is produced by the French Language Division of the American Translators Association. Our current administrator is Yves Baudou. Our current assistant administrator is Jen Mercer. You can subscribe to the Continuing Education Series podcast on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com forward slash ATA-FLD or on iTunes by searching for the words Continuing Education Series in the iTunes store. You can contact the FLD at divisionfld at atanet.org or visit our website at www.ata-divisions.org forward slash FLD. And make sure to put those last, three, um, those last three letters in capital, in uppercase. You can also get in touch with us on social media. This is Angela Benoit signing off. Thanks for listening, and à bientôt.